Okay, we are in the book of First Samuel. Book of First Samuel, and we're reading in chapter two. And last week we covered this song by Hannah, her time of rejoicing when she was able to dedicate her son Samuel, who was just a baby, uh, probably three or four years old, to the Lord. And uh, um, so we're going to be starting. Let's start reading then from verse eleven of First Samuel, chapter two, verse eleven. Then Elkanah went to his home at Ramah, but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. So Elkanah returned to his home, and, and we know from the later context within this chapter that that uh, Hannah was with him. And uh, uh, so what's interesting is it says, the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. This boy ministered to the Lord. So here was this young boy growing up in a place of service, and he was ministering to the Lord. And what we're going to see is this, this difference, this dichotomy between what Samuel was doing and the sons of Eli, the privileged sons of Eli, to be uh, in this line of the priesthood. Now remember, Samuel was of the Levitical tribe, so it was perfectly fine for him to be doing what he was doing. He was certainly even of Aaron's descendancy, uh, so he could serve as priest as well. But here he was a boy ministering to the Lord. Even as a child, he could minister to the Lord. All right, now let's read in verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priests with the people. When any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, or he will take, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. If the man said to him, They must surely burn the fat first, and then take as much as you desire, then he would say, No, but you should give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. Okay. So, you have this portion which I just read, which is bracketed by verse 11 and 18. In verse 11 and 18, it talks about how Samuel was ministering either to the Lord or before the Lord. Samuel was ministering to the Lord or before the Lord. And then within this central part of this section, you see the sons of Eli. The sons of Eli are the priests. So Eli is a priest at that time. The sons of Eli are also priests because it it flowed through a line of descendancy. And it starts out in verse 12 and it says, The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now, The Bible doesn't speak of people who do not know the Lord as worthless people or worthless men. 
It speaks of worthless men as those who openly oppose the things of God. Openly opposing the things of God. So here you have people in the priesthood that their lives are dedicated to service to the Lord and they're openly opposing the things of God. And on each side of it, you see this boy who's ministering to the Lord. You see this in families. You could have an opportunity. You have two children in a family. One child ends up serving the Lord, worshiping God, honoring God. And the other child who's had every opportunity that that first child has had ends up just going their own way. And you see it time and time again what happens in the lives of people. For me, it's like this tremendous indicator. I can look at young people and look at their actions and look what they do and get a mental map of what it's going to be like in their lives in the next 10 and 20 years. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, I have a lot of data points on which to base this. But I look at the way people minister to the Lord, the way they take seriously the Lord or not, the way they take seriously the Word of God, and the way they minister to one another. The Bible says that that he who waters will himself be watered. So when you give to the poor, it says, you give to the Lord. When you give to others, so is their service all for themselves? Are they all in this for themselves? And usually when I see this tremendous selfish streak... I know that their marriage, when it ultimately happens, will fail. Because selfishness brings destruction in a marriage. And you say, well, how do you know this? I I just have all these data points and I watch people's lives. And I see this again and again. The other thing that I see is people who have a respect for the Word of God and read this book a lot. And it really take this book in. Their lives become so gentle and so different. One of the secretaries in the department, her, her husband had a, a, an accident. He worked out on, on uh, offshore oil platforms, and he was in this basket being lifted up in the high seas onto a platform. And, uh, and because the, the ship was moving up and down, the basket slammed into the platform three times, and there were eight men in the basket. And so he was really injured. His back got terribly messed up. And so he's at home now trying to recover from this, and he's been home for like a year and a half. So I said to her, is it driving you crazy to have your husband home? She said, I know what it is, that when husbands who are used to being out working are at home, they drive their wives crazy when they're home. And she said, at first he was, but he started reading the Scriptures, and he is a different man. He spends all day reading the Bible, and it's changed him totally. Only this book can do that. Only this book can do that. I've seen this in people's lives. They start reading this book and it changes them. You could read Mark Twain. You, 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 could, you could read any author you want. It's not going to change your life in the profound way that this book will. There's something mysterious about this book. This boy was ministering to the Lord. He was giving of himself to the Lord's service. And then you have all this opportunity for these other two young men to have been ministering to the Lord, but they were different. They didn't take the Word of God seriously, and they started using it, in fact, for their own gain. There's a pattern we see in Scriptures that he who has been given much 
Much is expected, Jesus said. To whom much is given, much is expected. And in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about talents. To him who is given a lot of talents, more is expected. But if we're given something and we don't use it, even what we are given will be taken away. That's in Matthew chapter 25, the story of of the talents, this parable of, of the talents that Jesus spoke of. When people are given opportunities in ministry, and they abuse those opportunities in ministry, and abuse the people of God, the outcome is extremely serious. Let me paint the picture and give you a precise example. If, for example, a pastor should take advantage of, say, a difficulty in a family in his, of one of his congregants, where the, the husband and wife are having some trouble between them, and he starts counseling them, and he ends up having an affair with the guy's wife. What he's done is he's taken his pastoral responsibility and used it as an avenue to cause destruction in a family. The penalty of that is very, very great. Now, people will say, well, sin is sin, all sin is the same, there is no difference. That is totally untrue. Sin is sin, and all the same, only in the context that any sin can keep us out of heaven. Any sin is enough to condemn us. But the results of certain sins are greater than the results of other sins. And Jesus even talked about this sort of thing. So Jesus talked about in, in John chapter, I believe it was chapter 19. Yeah, John chapter 19, verse 11. He said, those who have offered me up to you, their sin is greater than your sin, he said to Pilate. John chapter 19, verse 11. So he talked about one sin being greater than another. What we see in Scripture, when people abuse their positions of authority, an abuse of a position of authority brings with it great, uh, 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 great penalty. And that's why you see at the verse 17, it says, The sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. It wasn't just sin. It wasn't just great sin. It was very great sin. So you see, the Bible itself is putting upon this uh, uh, quantifiers of some type. It's giving a quantity here. It wasn't just a sin before the Lord. Nor was it a great sin before the Lord, but a very great sin before the Lord. So what specifically were they doing? So these two sons, it says in verse 13, in verse 12, they did not know the Lord. Verse 13, and the customs of the priests with the people. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. What were these customs? These customs were written. It wasn't just hearsay. It was written in the law of Moses. And in the law of Moses, it was actually very specific. In Leviticus 7:28 through 34 and Deuteronomy 18, verse 3, it talks about how the priests would get a portion of anybody's offering. This was the way they fed their families. A portion went to the priests, just like when we give to the church, a portion of this money goes to help the poor, a portion of this goes to pay the salaries of the people who work in the church. In that day, a portion of the food was given to the priest, but they could have only the breast and the thigh. That was the only portion they were allowed to have, not other portions. And here they were coming, and they'd send their servants with a three-pronged fork, 
and they'd stick it into this pot, and whatever pulled up, they said, this is mine. This is for the priests. That was never supposed to be. The other thing is that they wanted food that was not boiled. They were not allowed to take meat that was not at least boiled. Minimally boiled. And it says in verse 15, um, Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, as he will, only, he, he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. If the man said they must surely burn the fat first, then they can take as much as they desire, then he would say, no, but you shall give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. So one of the things that they had to do is they had to boil the meat. This was part of the offering. And the other thing was, the fat, the Bible says, was the Lord's. The Lord was actually protecting them from taking the fat. But So, so the fat portion was the Lord's, and that's talked about in Leviticus 7, Verse 28 through 34 as well, Leviticus 17.6 and Numbers 18.17. So three different portions in the Law of Moses. It is written specifically what was to be done. So this wasn't just, you know, willy-nilly, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. No, it was very specific. And you will find, if you become a student of the Bible, that the Bible is very specific in what it instructs us to do. And so the fat had to be burned first. If you were going to take meat, fat had to be burned off first, or it had to be boiled. And they said, no, the priests don't want boiled meat. They want meat suitable for roasting. So they don't want the boiled meat. And they would take it from them by force. So the the law required the flesh to be boiled first, yet they wanted this, this fresh meat. Because they wanted it to be roast, they wanted it good for roasting or broiling, not boiling. So the sin, it says in verse 17, was very great. When we disrespect, when we know what God calls us to, and we disrespect it outright, there is penalty. But when we're put in positions of authority, the sin becomes very great. When there's positions of authority. So, one day you will start moving up. You really will. You'll start moving up in your work. You'll start moving up in your positions. And the authority that you get to exercise over other people will increase. And you need to realize, we need to realize that the way we execute that authority, the way we do things, affects people's lives. And if we're very quick to, oh, fire that person. You know, that's, that's a big thing. You know, that, that uh, uh, there's only been one occasion where I've immediately fired somebody from my laboratory. And that's because they were taking drugs and using the chemicals in the lab for, for, for uh, um, you know, to get high on. And people saw them doing this. And then we are bound by the university that we have to, we have to sign these forms that we maintain a drug-free work environment. In order to get my grants, I have to sign a form, yes, I maintain a drug-free work environment. And I've never really quite understood that because I thought you'd have to be on drugs not to sign that form. You know, I mean, who, wouldn't, who would say, no, I'm not going to sign that form? You see what I mean? It's, it's, it's really kind of silly in, in a sense. Do you understand what I mean? It's, it's, but anyway, this is what you have to do. So immediately he was released. But there have been times where secretaries have been really not very good and I work with them and work with them. 
where people have said, well, let's just get rid of that secretary in the office because she's not very good. I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, she's got a family. Let's think about these sort of things before we start making these decisions. And this is what you have to think about. Men, let me tell you another thing you have to think about, is that when you start moving up and you start getting young secretaries, they will look to you thinking that you are really something because you're in the position that you are. Because you have a degree, because you went to Rice, because now you're a physician or a doctor or a lawyer or something, or you know, a CEO or something. And they will look at you and you'll start feeling something about yourself, like, hey, they, they really think I'm pretty good must be pretty good. And then, if you use that position to affect the way you treat them, or you say things, or you make advances, because in your position you can do these types of things, you have to be particularly cautious of this. Because now you've moved into a position of responsibility, and the things that you do, little flirtatious sort of things carry with them much more responsibility from the Lord and from your workplace. And from your workplace. The last thing you want to do is be hit with a sexual harassment suit. Uh, because that, that just kind of rides with your, your, uh, your portfolio and your career. You have to be particularly vigilant about this. And as we move up, we have a way of putting other people down. And you see it all the time. You know, now I'm a sophomore, so I can diss the freshman because I'm a sophomore now. You, you know this tendency in our lives? This is a very small degree to what happens when you start moving up the chain. And you have to pay particular attention to this. As you start moving up in authority, the effects are greater to whom much is given, much is expected. But look, bracketing this terrible disobedience was this young boy who was ministering to the Lord. This is what the Lord is calling us to. To minister to the Lord. To minister to the Lord. You will be thoroughly blessed. There's this verse that we're going to key in on probably next time, but it is just a classic verse. It is in the same chapter. Um, verse 30 of this same chapter. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, I will honor. I have held on to this verse for 30 years. Those who honor me, I will honor. If I honor God he will honor me. That's what it says. If I honor God, He will honor me. But if I despise Him and His word, I will be lightly esteemed. If I honor God, He will honor me. If you honor God, He will honor you. If you testify of God, if you reflect God, if you seek God, He will honor you. Coming with seeking the Lord, there is great honor. There is great honor. It says the same thing in, in John chapter 12. Turn to John chapter 12. Same sort of thing.
verse 26, John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is tremendous. If anyone serves me, Jesus says, if you are willing to follow me and to serve me, my Father will honor you. This is tremendous. I know what it is to be a father. Those who are nice to my children, I automatically like them. That's just the way it is. If you're good to my children, I will like you. That's the way it is with parenthood. You want to get in good with somebody? Be nice to their children. Be nice to their children. You want to get somebody upset with you? Say something nasty to their children. They take that far more of an offense than if you had said that same thing to the parent themselves. There's something about the relationship between a parent and a child. Jesus said, if you honor me, my Father will honor you. How would you like this in your career? To have the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, to look from heaven and say, I will honor that one. How would you like that? I love that. I want that. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me, serve me, the Father will honor you. It says in Samuel, those who honor me, I will honor. Samuel is about to get brought up as a little child with the honor of God, just flowing with the honor of God, such that he's made a priest, such that he's made a prophet, such that he's made a judge. Samuel becomes all of those, priest, prophet and judge in Israel. Those who honor me, I will honor. Little things, little things you can do. I knew a guy, he would, he would go to, to um, some of the facilities that were owned by the church. And this was in a smaller church. And they, he would go at night and he would move chairs away and mop the floors. Just have it be a little bit cleaner. And he would, he would uh, uh, put all this... this uh, um, you know, the, the glossy stuff on the floors, just to do, just in some way to show God that He honored God, that He honored the body of Christ, that He honored the church. You do little things in service to the Lord, and you will receive honor back. God it brings you up. God does that. God does that sort of thing. So, this, is, this was their sin. It was very great before the Lord. In verse 17, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Now, I don't think they woke up in the morning and said, you know, I hate the offering. But in that they did not respect the way the offering was to be dealt with. You know, there are, there are treasurers in the church. If those treasurers ever take any of the offering money and stick it in their own pockets, I don't want to be near that person. I've never known it to happen, personally. But I just know that that person is going to have a very hard life. The teeth are going to fall out of their head. I mean, if you think that you could take God's money that people have given, that was their sustenance and given to the body of Christ, and put it in your pocket, it will come back to you many times over, the judgment that will fall. And if you think judgment doesn't fall 
you know, since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are greatly, greatly mistaken. Greatly mistaken. The Bible says because judgment doesn't come immediately, men are given to great sin. Because it's not like the instant that the thing is stuck in his pocket that lightning comes down and hits him on the head. Because of that, people will go further and further and further. But judgment certainly comes, as we're about to see. Alright, let's read on. Verse 19 of chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah, his wife, Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. The Lord visited Hannah. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. So you see verse in, 18, in verse 18 it says, Now Samuel was ministering to the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. The linen ephod was characteristic of the priestly dress. And it was, it was, it was totally prescribed for priestly dress. Uh, in 1 Samuel 22 verse 18 it says, The clothing of the priesthood was the linen ephod. It's talked about in Exodus 28 and in Exodus 39, again, the linen ephod. It was characteristic of what the high priest wore, although the ones who were not high priests had a much simpler one. But over that, she would also make him a little robe. Each year she would come back and see her son and she would make a larger robe each year for him. And Eli was so touched... Eli, the old priest, who was like in his 90s, was so touched by this young boy and his service. So touched at what Hannah had on that occasion in chapter 1, prayed and, and, and spoke to him about, and then fulfilled her commitment in offering up this boy, that he said, he said, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. So in other words, he's saying to Elkanah, may, he's not saying may the Lord give you more children, because Elkanah had, remember, Penina, his other wife, who already had multiple children. So Elkanah did, so, so uh, Eli didn't just say may the Lord give you more children, he said may he give you more children from this wife, from this wife. And the Lord visited her and gave her three sons and two daughters. So she had a, a total of six children. I mean, this is to a woman who was barren. Those who honor me, I will honor. I don't know the way God is going to honor you. I don't know what He's going to give you. But I do know this. If you honor God, He will honor you. If you dedicate to the Lord things that are, are precious to you, your sustenance, in other words, if you write your first, you know, the first check you write when you pay your bills, or when you pay online, if the first, check, the first thing you do is dedicate a portion of that to the Lord, you will be blessed. You will be honored. If you honor God, He will honor you. This family gave to the Lord and they received back many times over. This woman gave to the Lord and she received back many times over. And her heart wasn't with this boy. I mean, she, she wasn't physically with this boy, but her heart was with this boy. And seeing him grow and progress, can you imagine what this woman must have felt like as she heard about her boy growing in honor in that place? And then finally he becomes judge, 
priest and prophet to Israel. All of those combined because of the dedication to the Lord. And so what we'll do is we'll pick up next time and we'll talk about the prophecy that comes concerning the rebuke of Eli concerning his sons and the actions that were going on there. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the truth of it. That those who serve Jesus, the Father will honor him. Father, thank you for that promise. Thank you for the promise in Samuel, in 1 Samuel, that those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor the Lord will be honored. Father, I pray for these young people that in their lives they would honor God, respect You and Your Word. Father, that they would pick up this Word and make it their daily meditation. Father, I pray for them that they would so do this. Lord, I pray for these young people as they move up, as they excel and move up in the world. Father, I pray that they would take their responsibilities and realize that the decisions that they make affect people. And they would move and progress with merciful eyes and with merciful hearts. Father, I pray that as more is given to them, they would walk with with more care in the way they exercise that. Father, I pray for your grace on these young people. The grace of God abound upon them, I pray. In the name of Jesus, Amen.